Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant and boundless mercy has caused us to be born again, to an ever-living hope and confident assurance through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, reserved in heaven for you, who are being protected and shielded by the power of God through your faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice greatly, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith which is much more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested and purified by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not even see him now, you believe and trust in him, and you greatly rejoice and delight with inexpressible and glorious joy, receiving as the result of your faith salvation of your souls. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A lot going on. That's something I found out as I began looking at these letters that Peter wrote. There's a lot going on, a lot he's talking about. I'm going to try and break it down kind of verse by verse, but there's one overarching theme that I want to get back to. And he begins praising God, and he's telling us, out of his mercy, we are, in the Amplified Bible, it says we're born again. Some use new life. The King James, they say we've gotten born again into a living hope. And it comes about through Jesus Christ. We're going to get back to that. So that's I'm really going to spend the time. But it talked about in, in verse 4 that we're born and we have this inheritance. As God's children, we've kind of been adopted into God's family. We've inherited what we could not earn, what we could not work for on our own. We've been given full rights as a child of God. It means that we're justified, which is a fancy word to mean that we are found blameless and pure because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We're justified. This should result and will result in an eternal rest and peace. That's what that inheritance reserved in heaven for you. And it goes on that we're being protected and shielded by the power of God. God's power shields us. And the strength of the protection in the original language is really talking about like a military garrison. Guard, God is guarding us. Then it comes on to even if. I think we can change that even if to when. We suffer through trial and disappointment and grief 
we still can rejoice in God's love and his promise to us. We all, I'm sure, will agree life is full of trials. We, we journey through this life. We have these mountaintop experiences. That we have these low points because of circumstances that surround us. And it's especially true for us as Christians, if you want to call us Christians or believers in Jesus Christ, whatever term. God's word is clear that the outside world, the evil one, is working against us. They do not want God's kingdom to advance. They don't want us to share God's love. Like David said, the Gideon's out there giving God's word to people and people coming to faith because of God's word. The world doesn't want that. They'd rather want us to be greedy and guard our resources, live an immoral life, want us to conform to the ways of the world. And when we go through trials and temptations, it can wear on us. It causes a heaviness. But God's word is clear that we go through these for a reason. Although God never tempts us, he doesn't tempt us himself. He allows us to face these temptations, these trials, when necessary. So we grow, so we strengthen some area of our faith. That's what verse 7 tells us. So that the genuineness of your faith, and he makes this illustration of gold, which is more precious than gold, gold which is perishable, even though it's been tested and purified by fire, may be found to result in your praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes again, we're going to all fall, bow down and praise and worship him. Even though we went through these trials, these oftentimes tear-jerking moment, tear moments in our life, I think gold, if you, I don't really know that much, but I know that they melt gold down and it causes the impurities to rise up and get out of it. You have different, you have what, 13 karat gold, 14 karat gold, and based on how much it's pure gold. We're becoming more pure and holy through these trials in life. It's part of us, John Wesley called it our sanctification. We're being made more like Jesus through living our lives. Jesus even talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, verses 11 to 12. Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Be glad and exceed, exceedingly joyful, for your reward in heaven is great. So I'm supposed to be glad when I feel persecuted? Not because of what I'm going through now, but what awaits me in the future. And that leads on to this next idea that comes about all this is possible. Because of our faith, our belief, and our trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. All this is manifested through our faith in Jesus Christ. As we journey through life, through the trials, through the disappointments, and the temptations. The culmination of this journey is being sanctified with and through God's grace. We will praise and honor and glorify. Jesus Christ, when he returns, that's what God's word shares with us. 
and kind of sharing his own there, even though you've not seen him. Peter saw Jesus. He saw him. He knew him. But he's writing to people who did not, like us. We've not seen Jesus in the flesh. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not even see him now, you believe and trust in him. Faith in Jesus that saves our souls for eternity. And this faith allows us to experience this inexpressible and glorious joy. It may not happen that unexpressible and it's you know glorious joy until we see Jesus when we end our earthly journey, but we will have that experience. You know, hope, this living hope along with our faith, love, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. These are all different types of graces that God has given us. And all Christians, all believers have these offered to us. Like we mentioned last week about spiritual gifts, it's much like a spiritual gift. We're given these graces, these gifts, not based on what we are, what we do, who we are, where we live. But because of God's mercy, he gives them to us. Love, faith. Getting back to this third verse. The first verse is really what I'm going to focus on. The second part, reading from the New King James translation, says, Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He died on the cross and in Three days he rose to new life. That's how we receive this living hope. And the other blessing from God because, like I said, it's something we receive. We don't have to earn it. It's given to us. We just have to walk into that living hope. It's only by and through God's grace and mercy that we have and can experience this living hope. And begotten was used in the King James in the Amplified Bible. It says, Causes us to be born again. Some translations say a new life. The Amplified Bible talking about this new birth says that is to be reborn from above. Spiritually transformed. Renewed. And set apart for his purpose. And trying to a lot going on there and it can be confusing, but what this means to me, to paraphrase it, as believers, as Christians, we have been given new life through our faith in Jesus Christ. Makes a sense to you a little bit? And Jesus even talked about this very specifically in the third chapter of John in verse 3. This is Jesus. Jesus answered him and said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, Unless a person is born again, he cannot see and experience the kingdom of God. Unless we're born again, begotten by God, have new life through God, we're not going to see or experience God's kingdom. Now this is where, again, the, the early church where Peter is, and we branched out into different denominations and some Christians believe, some denominations believe, you must have a conversion experience. You must have this new birth experience. You must be born again. And some don't. I have known people that have had strong conversion experiences, and others not so much. They're all faithful men and women of God that I have known. 
Some denominations make it a priority, some don't. We're Methodist. We follow a Wesleyan theology, a Wesleyan faith based on John Wesley. John Wesley was an Anglican priest. And he was trying to figure out his own faith. He's saying that I just don't know. So he's going through this experience. He's having these, these meetings with people. And what is known as his altarist gate experience, it was in a small group meeting. He felt his heart strangely warm. And in that moment, he had this assurance. He knew he was saved for eternity through Jesus Christ. Leslie calls this regeneration. And what he found out and he worked on throughout his ministry is we receive this free gift of God's grace. We baptize infants. Before we even know who God is, his grace is pouring out to us. Once we accept this gift of grace, we become empowered by the Holy Spirit to engage in this human and divine connection. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through us. That's why we baptize infants, but at some point, that person needs to make an affirmation of faith. I am responsible. I affirm my faith in Jesus Christ. And again, it could be a conversion experience. It may not be any great flood of feeling or presence. But they have this new life at that point. One thing that Wesley taught and believed, and we as Methodists believe, is there needs to be visible changes. If you have this new life that you acknowledge, I have this life given to me, this regeneration, there needs to be a visible evidence of it in the way we live. We don't live as the world lives. We slowly make changes. We become new. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, we're regenerated. And Paul, or Paul, Peter, later in the first chapter, in verse 23, he says, For you have not been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, immortal. That is, through the living and the everlasting word of God. This new life, Peter's writing, is imperishable. It won't go back, no matter what our circumstances are. And this new life is immortal. Verse 4 again. Born anew, they have in the brackets, born anew into an inheritance which is imperishable, in brackets in the Amplified Bible, beyond the reach of change. And undefiled and unfading, reserved in heaven for you. It's reserved already. That's the living hope that we're born into in this new life. A living hope means that there's life in our hope. We can hope for many things. I hope for a new car. I hope for a new TV. I hope for a new job. You know, positive thinking, we're told. You need to think positively so your hope is manifested. All these pots of books, and they're very useful at times, but they're useful in a moment in our lives. Thinking. This living hope is for eternity. It's long-term, this living hope. It's eternal, but it still helps us today. It's active, and it's functioning in our lives. Eternal life is a 
living hope because it's reality. It's a life that really exists in another world, another in the spiritual world. We have this living hope already. But it's with us now while we're journeying through this earth now in our life's journey. Living hope is not that we're going to receive eternal life, but we've already received hope we understand. I was trying to find an illustration to help bring these these points to uh, a, a better visual image. And I found one by a pastor named Keith Madison. He talked about an apple that wife's aunt had. And I grew up, I had an apple tree, so I can relate. Now here in Del Marva, we mainly have peach trees. But some years, you have this overabundance. The fruit just appears out of nowhere. It causes branches to break. I remember the branches being broken by the weight of the apple. So they visited this her, her aunt one year and they noticed, hey, look at why are all these apples? What what happened? And her name was Gladys, and she explained that last year there was a late frost, and we get that on Delmar, but sometimes there's a late frost and it causes the buds on the fruit trees to freeze and they don't produce fruit or as much. Very small, the harvest is very limited, but the trees do something miraculous. They save that energy that they're going to pour out into this year's fruit. And they form something that's called a small bump or nodules. They're called a seon. These little bumps on the fruit tree. And the whole year, this energy is in that tree. It's pulsating. And the next season, it just explodes. And you have this great harvest of fruit. And this description made him think about our spiritual life. Sometimes we have these harsh frosts in our life. Whether it's a disease like cancer, relationship problems, money problems, we lose a loved one, trauma, someone's involved in an accident, grief, depression, all these things, they cause our hearts to freeze. But at the center of our Christian faith, we also live with this incredible promise that no matter what we're going through, because of our faith in and through Jesus Christ, there's going to be an abundant harvest in our lives. At some point, if it's at the very end or it's going throughout that journey, no matter what the circumstances say, God's power is pulsating through you. Under the gnarly bark of the world and even our body. In Christ, we're being formed into these little small modules, these seons of living hope. They're just waiting to burst. You know, during certain seasons in our life, we may feel our, our hearts waiting and longing. We can't wait, aching for this frozen heart to thaw and to be plentiful. Our living hope is that one day, all of this stored up glory is going to be unleashed in this joyful and glorious splendor. May you, I hope, realize the overabundance of God's grace and mercy and love that's surrounding and carrying you along, no matter what season of life you are in. 
May you be filled with the living hope of